When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Chili Willie ECW, everybody's favorite homeboy, the ghetto superstar. And you are watching and listening to Stu's Podcast. You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. Welcome, it's episode 81 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast and I have got former Ring of Honor talent Rico Della Vega. Rico has worked many facets of the wrestling business. He has been a commentator, a pro wrestler and also a manager for talent over the years. He talked about his relationship with Damian Priest who was Punishment Martinez in Ring of Honor and all the help he's had from him. In Rico even talk about Rico's favourite top three matches when he was a kid growing up. It's always hard restricting him to three matches because we all know that we could have like a list of 50, maybe 60 matches that we love. But yeah, without further ado, my guest, former Ring of Honor talent, you can see him on AAW Live presently too. It is Mr. Rico Della Vega for episode 81 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast. Enjoy. My guest all the way from Green Bay, Wisconsin today. It is Monster Factory trained Rico Della Vega. You would have seen Rico on Ring of Honor wrestling, announcing managerial roles throughout. You name it. You've done quite a lot in this business. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to getting to hear about your career, sir, I tell you. And a big thank you to Justin Clapper at Wrestling Travel, the host of Lockdown Sessions, for putting us in contact. Good dude, Mr. Clapper. We love Justin. He's a top man. He's a top man. Rico, what's been happening over the past 12 months for you, man, with, with the pandemic? How has it been for bookings and stuff of that nature? I'm going to go, go with that first. Uh, so, <clears throat> yeah, as far as the pandemic, obviously, everybody knows what's been happening for the past 12 months. Uh, 
very, uh, very confusing time, not only in the world, but also in the world of professional wrestling, obviously on a job that's dependent on uh, traveling, on, you know, having contact with each other in a very close and intimate setting. Uh, it definitely was a game changer. Uh, you know, when the initial pandemic had started, bookings have slowed down, you know, like almost overnight uh, with the restrictions and everything put in place. I think they tried to milk a few more shows out. But after that, it pretty much started dying down. I was down to about uh, maybe one show a month. Uh, and obviously, with the proper precautions, temperature was taken, masks were worn, social distancing was definitely a part of the show itself. Uh, so I picked and choose where I would go. Um, you know, I myself, I was getting tested and stuff. I, I've never been one of those people that, uh, you know, post the I voted sticker and stuff where I, I don't feel the need to post every time I get tested. I have nobody or, or nothing to prove to anybody but myself, you know, and the person that I'm going to be working for. So to go on a public forum and say, hey, I got the vaccine. Look at me. Look at me. It's never been me. Uh, Rico de la Vega is a complete <laughs> different uh, creature in comparison to who I am in my everyday life. So he wants to be on the spotlight, but not me. Um, so, yeah. So anyway, so as the uh, booking started slowing down, it just kind of became somewhat of a, I, I just kept getting the itch to do something. So, you know, and I could only compare this to, to maybe a drug or something. Uh, wrestling, when you're used to doing this just about every weekend, every month for the entire year, once it starts slowing down, you kind of just sit there and get fidgety. You need something to do, whether you, you know, stand in front of the mirror and cut promos, which you should be doing anyway, if you want to get better. Uh, or just, you know, thinking of storylines or thinking of movesets and stuff. You know, you have to consume yourself with some type of wrestling because this is what I do. This is what I love. And this is what I potentially would want to make my, uh, you know, my main source of income. Uh, but the past 12 months, as it started slowing down, Towards the end of the year, it did begin to pick up a little bit as far as uh, planting the seed for later dates. So I'm very happy about that. Uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, get a few bookings there uh, back in early January, February, and they started getting more and more. Uh, I've exclusively been working for Galli Lucha Libre, which has been, uh, you know, the main place I've been working at on a monthly basis. And again, all precautions are taken. Uh, it is a closed uh, taping, too. Um but yeah, up until now, you know, I just went to Mania Week. I was in Tampa. Oh, wow. Uh, I, yeah, and I was fortunate enough to work a couple shows there and be involved with, a, you know, a few different companies as well. So, again, it's, it's, a, new, it's a new way of living and it's a new time, uh, you know, of taking precaution, especially in a wrestling business. Again, we're all in an enclosed, intimate setting, shirts off, you know, sweaty. Like, I get it. I understand. So we want to be safe. But that's what we do. And that's what we love to do. So it was kind of like riding a bike again and seeing everybody thrive together. You know, we were having outside shows and just seeing everybody there together, enjoying wrestling and there for the sake of wrestling gave me hope again. You know what I mean? And mm -hmm. I have a feeling that here in the near future, maybe the next couple months, things will be getting more and more normal until it's like back to where we used to be, but just maybe a little bit, a uh, little bit, uh, you know, skewed <laughs> how was how was the vibe in tampa rico i'm gonna ask you that like doing the shows last week over there man the vibe was insane uh, so as soon as i get so here's the thing uh i guess i'll shout him out uh dan perch hell of a ref hell of a person hell of a human uh he's one of the first guys that i met when i moved to wisconsin 
And uh, great guy. Turns out he was on the flight with me to Tampa. So it started out on a great note. We were chopping it up, you know, shooting the shit. Oh, well, I can say shit, right? You can't. <laughs> there's no... You can do expletives aplenty, mate. Don't you worry. You you can swear. You can swear. Uh, then I'm, I'm in the right place. Yeah. Okay, so we were on, on the plane shooting the shit. We get there. I see my buddy Shane Taylor getting off of the plane, and we're at the baggage plane. I'm like, yo, dude, what's up? So, boom. Even from the jump, it's like, Again, wrestling's a brotherhood. It's such a such a big extended family you have. So I got super excited. You know, I saw Shane. Shane's like, "Oh, Rico, what's up?" And you know, we just uh, let me get your number. I'm gonna go to my hotel. Let's go ahead and you know link up if we can. Um, so boom, right from the gate, you know, I've already seen two really good buddies of mine, and you know, and I'm already going to Florida now. Mind you, this is sunshine. This is beaches, and most importantly, wrestling. So, you know, once I arrived, get to my hotel, the first night we kind of laid back and kicked it. But uh, the very next day, I had a show for, uh, for Crab Wrestling. Uh, it was an outside show. It was phenomenal. Uh, the highlight of that day was uh, actually a match between Rhett Titus and uh, Gino Medina. Now we're talking. Completely we're talking, killed. Man. man, I'm telling you, such a great, such a great show overall. But that being the main event, definitely, it was right where it belonged. Um, so I had a blast there, you know. Just a bunch of good brothers and sisters getting together and seeing some good wrestling. Just hanging out and just, you know, just there, again, for the sake of wrestling. Later that night, I ended up going to uh, For the Culture. Got to see a bunch of my buddies. Uh, you know, I'm originally uh, out, brought up in Jersey, so all my Northeast guys, they were all down there, and I got to link up with so many people. I mean, it was just such a wonderful feeling when uh, you're able to kind of see people you haven't seen in such a long time for the same reason. Me being out here in Wisconsin, I don't have anybody out here. You know, we're you know, being completely frank. Uh, I have no family. I really don't have many, you know, colleagues here other than the wrestling people. But again, it's just through wrestling, I know them. So uh, it was a breath of fresh air to be able to break bread with a bunch of people that I've broken bread with before that are still chasing that same dream. Uh, it, it's really motivating and definitely lit a fire under my ass again. Um, all in all, the trip was great. Uh, you know, I uh, met up with my buddy Ace Austin. We went to the gym together and uh, hung out, talked some wrestling the next day. Um, after that, we hit the beach. It, it was just a vibe the entire way through. But bottom line, it was wrestling. It was a weekend where all of us got together and appreciate such an event such mm -hmm. as WrestleMania. You know, that's our Mecca. That's our Super Bowl. You know, we want to thrive there. We want to make sure that when we go there, that we are able to enjoy every single aspect of professional wrestling despite the past year and despite the drama that can sometimes, you know, be part of the professional wrestling business. But, uh, but it ended off on a good note. My, my final show was at the, at the side dojo uh, with Matt Seidel. So I got to, you know, talk to him for a little bit. Good friend, such a good dude. And to sit under his uh, knowledge tree is definitely beneficial for any wrestler. And I highly recommend it. Uh, but yeah, all in all, the Tampa trip was insane. I, I had such a blast and I can't wait for Dallas next year. I'd be remiss to ask, did you catch any of WrestleMania? Or were you, you know what? so busy I was, with bookings? I was going to go. I was going to go. Yeah. But Friday night, there were some late night shows and I basically spent Saturday sleeping the entire day. <laughs> no regrets, but no regrets. Oh, no, Again, no, no. Know. Yeah. It was really yeah. cool because... This WrestleMania, I, I've never been to a WrestleMania. Um, this WrestleMania would have been cool to go to, um, you know, especially since one of the guys that pretty much coached me, Damian Priest, you know, mm -hmm. he had a hell of a match. 
somebody I came up with in the business, a good friend of mine, Matt Riddle, had a hell of a match with Sheamus. So it's like, damn, it would have been cool to see, you know, just a couple of guys that I've trained with and been coached by, you know, they're doing their thing. But again, stuff happens and wrestling's not over. You know what I mean? It won't be the first or the last. That's cool, man. I, I had to. I had to ask. I had to ask. No, of course. I mean, it sounds. It sounds to me, Rico, like you were burning the candle at both ends. But you know, you were back. You were back with everyone, which is which is probably the ultimate, isn't it? And uh, I think. I think there's going to be a better appreciation from the fans from what what you guys do, you know, as well. You know, because we've been without it for so long. I, I'm at that. I'm at that opinion. I think there'll be a newfound, even a bigger respect from the fan base. I, I totally agree. Uh, you know, you said a mouthful there because I appreciate it more, not only as a wrestler who, you know, is looking for work, but also as a fan. Dude, it, it was really surreal just seeing wrestling matches with no crowd. It's not the same. I don't care what anybody says. It's not the same. Uh, in the end, we're doing that in the ring. It's for them. Like, it's their reactions and their pops and their boos and all that stuff that makes us do what we do. Not to say that we can't do it without them, but it's definitely detrimental to, you know, how we carry ourselves in that ring when they're there. You know what I mean? So it's definitely, after this pandemic thing, the fans are going to love it even more. Wrestlers better start fucking, like, showing the respect to professional wrestling, like, that they should have been showing initially. Because uh, it's kind of the concept of, like, you know when your parents, you, you, you're fucking around, they take something away from you? And you're like, damn, man. That, that really got me. This is the point where wrestlers and fans alike, but more so the wrestlers should be at. It's like, fuck, man, I almost lost this. Like, this could have been gone. If this would have went sideways and this became some fucking plague, we could have been done as far as the business. Or if they had any restrictions that forbid any type of, uh, you know, uh, congregating, you know, at, at sports events or anything, that could have been our careers. So if we were to take this a little bit more seriously and, and, Overall, just just be kind to each other, man. It's such a cutthroat business. I know we discussed this before, but it's such a cutthroat business where people will people will want to see you do good, but never better than them. You know what I mean? Everybody's going for that same brass ring, so to speak. You know what I mean? So there is a, a sense of competition, but it doesn't mean we can't all eat together. You know, play to your strengths. Get yourself there, but get yourself there without having to step on the other guys. Prove to you and prove to everybody else that you can do it on your own. And you're set. But if you have to sit there and use shitty tactics in order to get to where you are or brother, brother it up in politics, then what's it really worth in the end? That's, that's well surmised, man. That's well surmised about, you know, lo lo locker room etiquette and etiquette amongst your peers, man. Absolutely. I think now we can segue into AAW Live out of Chicago. I, I've spoke to Keith, actually. I think he runs, does he run the shows? Keith? Uh, or is it's he involved? Danny. Right, Danny okay. Daniels. Okay, yeah. okay, right. Yeah, so how, how have them shows been with, with those guys, Rico? Well, I just debuted. Uh, unfortunately, we're I think we're about a week away from the episode that I'm on, uh, so I can't really speak much on it. However, uh, it's not just me. Uh, it's me and my tag partner, uh, Axel Rico, which we, uh, in Galley, we have a faction, which is myself, Axel Rico, and Ricky Cruz. Uh, Axel's a, uh, he's a, a newer kid, definitely looks the part, uh, great in the ring, you know, but still can learn. That's the best part. He's got so much more to go and he's got potential. Uh, so he's definitely, uh, an asset to the group. Ricky Cruz, who's a veteran, 
from Puerto Rico, he has done so much in his entire career. I mean, just look him up. Ricky Cruz is the man who you definitely want to listen to and you definitely want to sit under his knowledge tree because the man just, he knows a lot. He's, uh, he's been around the block, let's just say. Uh, so with us three, we form what's known as La Sociedad Boricua, which uh, loosely translated means the Puerto Rican society. Uh, we're just a faction, three Puerto Rican guys with bad attitudes. We kick ass, you know. Um, we, uh, you know, Danny saw us at a show and he reached out to me and basically was like, hey, how would you like to come on AAW and uh, work with us? You know, we'll see if we can build something off of that. I'm like, shit, why the hell not? You know, I had so many, uh, so many, I, I worked for AAW when, you know, earlier in my career when as security and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, I've been trying to get here for a while. So I was excited. Um, so I was like, definitely what I need to do. So, you know, we got there, we did the show, it was a taping. So, you know, just waiting on the episode to come. Uh, but hoping to build some momentum off of that. I I've been doing this for close to seven years. It's good to see a payoff, uh, especially when the last maybe three years or so haven't been too good. Uh, with the whole pandemic thing and me being in a new area where I am not familiar with anything or anyone. So it, it definitely was uh, trying to adapt has been kind of a kind of a rough patch. But this right here, that makes it all worth it. You know, working for AAW, who's produced such prominent names. I mean, even right now, Manser. Uh, oh, I, 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 I love Mass Warner. I love him too, man. And like, I got to know, <laughs> I got to know him more so on MLW coming in and yeah. that man that man is good on the stick as well he's good in the ring but it's his, 100%. his promo i i gravitated to his promos more so than what he was doing in the ring because he was having yeah. some, he was having some bar barbaric matches rico but but the guy can handle himself on the microphone as well very good talker very good yeah mancer mancer's Sorry. a beast it, it, no no you're fine trust me i i get your excitement yeah uh i'm a promo guy myself so i definitely have an appreciation yeah. for that um but no, you got Mance. Uh, I was talking to my buddy Fred Yehai. Uh, he was yeah. at the show and stuff. So Yehai, you know, they have such a great roster. And if you look in the past, you got guys like Kurt Stallion. You had Riddle on there. You got, uh, you know, Myron Reed, who's still with them. Like, so many, like, prominent names have come out of there. You know, it's, it's just insane that I get to be a part of this. You know, you, you, can't, you can't undo that. I'm already written in as part of that roster. So it's, like, so, so insane that, you know, here I go seven years in and I'm like, yes, it's finally paying off. So I'm hoping to build momentum off of it. Uh, you know, I just need to do my part. And, you know, me and Axel need to come together as a team. We're going to kick ass and we're going to make it happen. That's cool, man. That's cool. I want to go. I want to go back a little bit now. I want to talk about your time with Ring of Honor. Sure. I'd, love to, I'd love to hear about that. I've been a big fan of Ring of Honor from the inception in 2002. Followed it right the way through. Uh, we did get it. We did get it in the early days. We had a channel over in the UK, the Wrestling Channel. It it was defunct after two years. But yeah, Whoa. I've always I've always followed Ring of Honor right the way through. So yeah, your time in Ring of Honor, Rico. Some some of your experiences um, there. Some of the guys you've got to work with, tear it up with. Oh man, it was uh, now. It was an amazing experience. I'll just uh, start it out with that. Uh, my time with Ring of Honor started in 2015. Um, I was training at the Monster Factory at the time, and I was sharing my time also with the Ring of Honor Dojo. So I would go out there from time to time with Punishment Martinez, who's now Damian Priest. And uh, that was right before Punishment uh, had gotten signed by Ring of Honor. 
So I would be making my rounds there. And I remember at one point uh, when Ring of Honor came to Philly, they were at the 2300 Arena, and, you know, I wanted to go help out. Um, Silas Young, earlier that year, had done a show at the Monster Factory. Him and I became tight, which hence is why part of the reason I'm in Wisconsin as well. Um, and we got tight, man. I was like, hey, bro, you know, when are you flying in? Uh, I'm probably going to end up going to the event, whatnot. Uh, so he was like, yeah, I'm in town, dude, swing by. So, uh, swung by, had some dinner, just kind of kicked it a little bit, you know, uh, talked some wrestling and he was like, yeah, man, just uh, come on by tomorrow. So went on over, uh, started helping out with the ring, uh, met the ring crew, met a bunch of the boys and stuff, uh, which is great because if we're fast forwarding, a lot of the people on that ring crew are now holding very prominent titles. You know, they're, they're wrestlers, they're, uh, commentators they're in big companies like it's crazy um i love to see that growth i love to see that um so yeah so here i am he you know silas brings me in introduces me to everybody that i hadn't met already and uh you know punishment martinez also he's like hey make sure you do this he was like uh damian priest is always going to be big brother you know he always looked out for me he he was him and i were tight and and he always made sure that I was putting my best foot forward, which I, I'll always be appreciative to him. Like, I remember when I finally got signed by Ring of Honor, and he was like, look, it, people search you on Google, they're going to find you. Everything's going to be looked at. Just make sure you carry yourself the way you need to. It's like, it's something that you can't undo. So from here on out, moving forward, you need to watch what you do, watch what you say, and act accordingly. And I'm like, those words have always stuck with me from him. Um, but yeah, but so anyway, so here I am, I'm doing ring through ring of honor and stuff. Uh, great show. I got to work security. You know, I was ringside. I was helping out with streamers. I was like, I was like, dude, I'm the best streamer guy around. Let me go in there and slide and get these streamers out. Um, so it was really cool. And, uh, I started chatting it up with the boys in the back and, uh, Wolf Ferrara and I started uh, talking. Then I started talking with cheeseburger and they were talking about the tryout that was coming up. So I ended up doing a tryout. Um, everything was good. Obviously, some polishing on the in-ring work, but they said I really stood out with the promos. So the people judging the promos were Ian Riccoboni, another Monster Factory guy, a good buddy of mine, uh, Kevin Kelly, who's an amazing you know commentator. Uh, so him and Kevin Kelly, as well as... Uh, what do I want to say? Him, Kevin Kelly, Caprice Coleman... And I want to say Rhett was in there, too, uh, for the promos. So they said, dude, your stuff really stood out. It was it was great. You know how to carry yourself. And you know how to work on the fly. So uh, after that, uh, Ian Riccoboni and Kevin Kelly, they talked to me. It's like, hey, Rico, you know, it's, uh, you, you have a pretty good mouthpiece there. You, you may want to consider doing some, uh, some commentary or something like that, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I'm definitely open for it. You know what I mean? I started out as a manager. You know, I didn't even start out as a wrestler. Uh, so uh, my thing is to be well, well versed in a little bit mm -hmm. of everything. So that way I'm useful to any company I work for because, Hey, we don't have a spot for a wrestler, but we definitely could use a commentator or we don't have a spot for a commentator, but we do have a manager position. You can fill boom. It's all about being, you know, being able to be used in different places. So, uh, that being said, a few weeks passed by, it was like September. They were going to do, uh, I think it was like best in the world or something like that in October of that, of uh, 2016. Uh, let's see. 
I'm, I'm going ahead of myself because that in 2015, I did my, give me a second. After, yeah. After I did the initial ring crew and stuff, I came back. I did the tryout. They uh, wanted to try me out for commentary. I started doing Future of Honor. So they put me on commentary with Ian. I did a few matches. Everybody was like, hey, that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, just kind of went from there. And then it wasn't until later next year I did my pay-per-view, which was my debut on a pay-per-view, uh, which was best in the world. And I did their Spanish commentary as well. Wow. So, yeah, when I got the email <laughs> from Hunter and, uh, and, and Kevin Kelly, was like, hey, how would you like to do our uh, simulcast on, in Spanish, you know, for best in the world and for, you know, all these. Uh, I did ended up doing it for Final Battle as well. I was like, hell yeah, let's go. So I started doing that. And then the original plan was, uh, so I'm doing the commentary. Obviously, I'm still training at the Monster Factory. Uh, I've been managing uh, Punishment Martinez and QT Marshall and Matt Riddle. So, you know, I'm trying to incorporate all of that because obviously, uh, how can I explain? I went to wrestling school to learn how to wrestle, right? You know, if I knew, if I knew, I already knew how to talk. Nobody had to teach me that. And I say that humbly. If I wanted to be a commentator, I would have just went and gone and been a commentator. So obviously, I still want to do wrestling. So when in speaking uh, with Hunter and the rest of the people and like kind of telling them, hey, so this is kind of where I'm at right now. I don't want to be pigeonholed to this. So, you know, where can we go from here? So it was discussed that kind of like in the fashion to where, you know, I'm doing commentary, but there'll be a situation where I will need to step out and maybe, you know, do something and not as a wrestler, but I can manage maybe either a wrestler or a pair of wrestlers of you know, as I'm trying to break something up, become a heel because I'm usually a heel anyway uh, from there. So that was that was uh, talked about. And then to eventually transitioning, uh, transitioning into maybe a wrestling role. We were all going to play it by ear. It all depended on how everything progressed, obviously. Um, unfortunately, I never got to that. You know, things happen. It is what it is. I ended up uh, I tore both my labrum. And yeah, I got hurt and it, it just sucked. And I fell into like this real bad depression. So. I was like 205 pounds, you know, nice set of muscles, the whole nine. Once I tore both my labrum, I can't work out. So what am I doing now? Uh, pretty much just squats and anything lower body just to kind of keep me going. So I went down to about a sickly 170. So 170 oh. pounds. Wow, man. That's, yeah. That's, that's a drop. That's a drop, man. Yeah. And, and, and tell me, and you know how we were talking about how this is like a drug? My option was either to get surgery on each one, and but each one I get I I can't do it both at the same time obviously. So it'd be this one, heal up for ten months, then I can do this one, heal up for ten months. Oh my so God. I'm out practically two years out of wrestling, and I'm like, no, I can't do that. So yeah, it's a bunch of scar tissue now. But um, it, it just came down to you know I did at Ring of Honor, I did a few more gigs and stuff. Once I got hurt, it was like I just want to step away because it's very discouraging when. Uh, I'm kind of just sitting there and I'm watching people wrestle and I can't wrestle. And it's like, you know, and, and on top of that, it was just so much more going on just with life in general. I needed to stay, take a step back, gather myself and then come back even stronger. So, yeah, I mean, but my time with Ring of Honor, I was with them from 15 uh, when I initially started with Ring Crew all the way. Last show I did was doo -doo -doo -doo, I helped out. Let's see. Probably the end of 2018 was the last time. Good, good, yeah. good stretch of time there, Rico. You know, no, absolutely. That, I, I've good, gone to, yeah, 
I've shared a ton of moments with a lot of good people like, you know, and, and again, just being able to learn from, uh, from Kevin Kelly and Ian Riccoboni. Uh, I was there for uh, Steve Carino's last final battle. So I got to kind of break bread with him and speak with him a little bit in regards to, Hey, now I'm not saying I'm filling your shoes, but you heading over to the, to the big leagues. Now the, the bigger leagues, I should say, um, I definitely want to do you justice should that opportunity come for me. So I, I got to speak with him. Uh, the friends I made over there are, are fantastic. Like I said, you know, Rhett Titus and I, we were just at, you know, in Florida hanging out together, like, uh, you know, learning from guys like Cheeseburger and John Gresham and, uh, you know, cats like Jay Lethal. I mean, it, you're just sitting there in a pool of so much talent. If you don't take anything from these people in your time there, then you definitely have wasted your time. I'm a big fan of Dalton Castle. Oh, my God, he's great. What? He's amazing. Uh, and not to say, you know, bigger, go on to bigger and better. I think he'd be, under, he'd be underutilized. He'd be underutilized if he went to WWE. I really believe that. He's better off staying where he is. He's better off staying where he is. He is fantastic. Uh, he did me He did me a cameo last year. It was quite funny, actually. But uh, just, the whole, <laughs> just the whole thing about him, he, just everything. He's got a bit of everything, that guy, man. And uh, I, think, I think he doesn't get enough credit. I know he's. I know he's well known. He deserves, deserves more credit than he gets in the wrestling circles. I completely agree. I think that it's. I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know because he is really talented. Mm-hmm. I remember he worked on a show that I was at uh, in uh, in Pennsylvania when he was still Ashley Remington, and uh, he was doing his thing. And I'm like, "Yo, this guy's really like the real deal." And it was right before he got signed by Ring of Honor. The guy's gimmick, the guy, the, the way he carries himself in the ring, the way the, you know, his work ethic, it speaks volumes. I don't understand how he's not, you know, mm-hmm. on a higher, on a higher plane right now. And, and I totally understand where you're coming from. It's frustrating to see talented people be underutilized. And I don't know. I really don't know. It's, it, it's beyond me because he has a great thing going and the man can wrestle and he can talk. So it's not like it's just, oh, yeah, he does some pretty cool moves, but he's mom. No, it's not even that. Like, the man can talk, and he knows his character, which is definitely key. I, I think, like, you know, just the fact Cody Cody put him over, you know, and then, like, it just I, – I was I was so made up. I was so made up when he got to the, he got the world title. I was yeah. I was elated for the guy, man, honestly. I, yeah. I, I buy in. I, I, when you emotionally invest in a character – and, and and he can go in the ring. He's got the ring. He's got the arsenal in the ring as well. I just uh, yes. I, I enjoyed. I've enjoyed his stuff with Joe Hendry in more recent times. Them two tagging. <laughs> Joe. Joe's great. You know, it's it, that was a great. It was great putting them two together. In in my opinion, so yeah, it's great chemistry. You have two because these are two guys that work. Like they put in the work. They sit there and bust their ass, and every move is calculated. Everything. Notice that in their matches, it looks crisp. Mm-hmm. Nothing looks like it's sloppy. Nothing nope. looks like it's like half-assed. Everything looks crisp. It's almost it's robotic without looking scripted or whatnot. So it's a very smooth transition from move to move. And with Dalton's dynamic of a character, and then with Joe's, it's like it, it works. It works. But I don't know. I can go on about this all day simply <laughs> because I'm like the disgruntled old vet. I'm like, why don't they just do this? Like this is the easy way you can do it and get over. But no, what do I know? You know what I mean? 
How was it? How was it doing shows at the Hammerstein Ballroom? I know Ring of Honor did a lot of shows. Oh my God. What was it? What was it like? Because I go back to um, obviously ECW being there for years and years. Even um, even the first one night stand in two thousand and five when WWE did the reboot. You know the mix, the mix on the card. It was a proper like it was your old ECW guys. The two thousand six version was too diluted and too many WWE yeah. guys. But two thousand and five, what is it like in the Hammerstein Ballroom, man? Dude, it's not it the took biggest. Me back. It's not the biggest of venues, but they're just raucous. It's that New York crowd, isn't it, brother? It's not even fuck the venue. It's the people that are in it. Like they'll bring <laughs> that shit down. Like. I think Hammerstein Ballroom, I think Monday Night Raw episode one. I think the the signs, the siren, woo, 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 when Monday Night Raw would come yeah. I'm probably aging myself there, but shit, I remember that. It's like, the, <sighs> Hammerstein is like, it's its own entity. It's its own place. It's a state of mind. Because like you walk in there and it's eerily, it, it has that old look, but you do know that some great shit happened here. That rustic vintage look suits it so well. Like, I wouldn't have it any other way. And Hammerstein, every time I go there, like, it's cool because the dressing rooms are on different levels. So, like, my dressing room, I remember first time, uh, was it my first time? No, it wasn't. But it was Cody and Brandy's first time at the, at the Hammerstein. So we went over there and they, we had to share a dressing room because the dressing room that was... Uh, signing me it was uh, closest to the stage you know just made it easier for everybody so we were all three of us were in there and we we're just chopping it up and i'm like well, i'm gonna explore the rest of this place we ended up me and a few of the guys like you know ended up going to the different locker rooms mm -hmm. and you can like go through a fire escape in there it's like really really eerie but that vintage feel like you you can't find that anywhere else and you can definitely associate that with the type of business that we do there because you walk in there and there's a sense of uh, regalness in there. No pun intended, but just for the fact that a lot of pivotal moments in wrestling happen in there. You know, ECW Invasion. Like, you, you got things like that. You got, like, the first episode of Monday Night Raw. Uh, you've got ECW 05. Like, you've got, like, so many things that happen in there. And if I have to pick one of the highlights in my career as far as commentary... I was able to do the uh, the uh, Joey Styles "Oh My God" in Spanish because <laughs> that's, that's when, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I want to say it was final battle at the Hammerstein a couple years ago, and it was when uh, when Dreamer and Bully when they came out from the crowd and fucking his music hit, and I'm in Spanish like the the uh, the play by play is just going oh. Oh, what's going on here in Spanish? It's like, ay, Dios mío, ahí está Tommy. I'm going insane. And I'm like, fuck, that literally just happened. And I, I have a, I literally put a video of myself. It's like, yo, this has to go again. I'm like, ay, Dios mío, Tommy Dreamer, ahí viene, Douglas, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm going in. Like, it's crazy. And it's like that moment in time, you can't replicate that, man. And be like the, the building itself, you know, that that embodies that whole oh my god moment in professional wrestling, in my opinion. You know, and just the fact that it is compact, like you said, you know, it's not the biggest venue. The acoustics in there make it so much better, so much better. Everything is crisp. Uh every slam to the mat is crisp. Every chop to the chest 
you you hear it echo and like it's so incredible and just the crowd itself it's not overly like you know to where you can't hear any anything that uh that's going on in the ring the shit talking anything like that so it's such a great experience i love the amsterdam ballroom that's cool, man. I, I like that. I like the fact. I like the fact you can do commentary bilingual as well. That's so cool. That is yeah, so well, like I, I tell everybody all the time, I'm better than you in two languages. <laughs> <laughs> oh my days! Who, who in Ring of Honor then? Over your time there, do you think? I know they're all at a level. They're fantastic. Who do you think could be propelled higher? Who hasn't quite gone higher? Maybe, maybe going into a WWE and AEW. Who, who's a guy... Uh, like right now? Yeah, who's got the credentials, but is still, you know... not. I'm not knocking Ring of Honor in the slightest. Uh-huh. But it's it's a great it's it's great Ring of Honor. But yeah, just someone that you think could go into one of the top two in world teams. Maybe even go into New Japan or something like that. Man, you're talking about like a very... <sighs> There's a lot of guys mm-hmm. I would pick. If I had to pick... Okay, so here, I'll try to make it easy on me. I'm going to pick three, three people that I feel that could definitely be on the next, on the next level. This one's long overdue in my opinion, Rhett Titus. They're giving him his due now with, with the pure thing. And like with the tag champs and shit, Rhett Titus has been a workhorse ever since I've known him. He is the longest tenured ring of honor employee. If I'm not mistaken, he, to this day, I, I don't know if he's saying too much. He still helps out with the ring. That's the type of person that Rhett Titus is. Mm-hmm. And the type of person he is inside of the ring, that in itself just basically personifies who he is. Like, you want that person in your locker room. You want that person to help lead a locker room and teach the younger guys on how to act, what the etiquette should be, what to do in and out of the ring. Like, that's one of your top guys right there. I'm glad he's getting his due now. But that man, if he could still go, that's the thing. He can make it at any other company. He definitely can make it. Not saying he's not making it now. No, no, no. But not in the slightest. Again, we're picking three. We're picking three that I'd yeah. say that they can make it outside of there. Absolutely. If I were to take Rhett and put him at any other company, he'll work. Bust his ass and he will thrive. And he will make he will make it. Like that's definitely one of my top guys that I will vouch for at any moment. Mm-hmm. Um another guy. Man, I mean, John Gresham's a beast. Oh my days! We've had. I him. love John. I know, I know. Um, TNT, a promotion over here in Liverpool. I know he's worked yeah. in the UK a lot. Jay, who I know very well, the promoter, he's had Gresham on a show, and it's just doing all like the, you know, the submission style. What, what can he do? You know, they say about uh, Dean Malenko, the man of a thousand holes. John, Gresham. he's an octopus. Why do yeah, you man. think he's an octopus? The man can, can, he could sit there and grapevine you and turn it into something different, like in, in a split second. And again, this is another guy who I'm fortunate to have been able to show the dojo with, where he would like teach us some stuff and how to roll around. Definitely somebody you want to learn from. Um, he is somebody who can go with anybody. And I think he's proven that time and time again. You know, any, anybody you put him in front of that I've seen, whether it be at Ring of Honor or any other company, He's been able to go and he's been able to keep up. I could see him at any other company thriving. Again, and these people are naming that, that I'm naming. These are people that I feel that everybody could agree on that. These are great workers, great, you know, all around, just like when it comes to physique as well, that you could put in a bigger company. But again, 
unfortunately, the way that we see things is not necessarily the way that the bigger companies see it because mm-hmm. they see money. They see a following. Like, for example, if if I'm Joe Schmo and I'm on Twitter and I have 20 million followers because I farted in a jar and I lit it on fire and it went viral and I decided, hey, I want to go wrestle now. The big company is going to look, damn, he's got 20 million followers. That's 20 million potential people that will buy our merch. That's 20 million potential people that could view our product and can bring more popularity. We're going to sign him over the guy that's been doing this for 13 years, busting his ass, went to wrestling school, you know, does the fucking towns, uh, works out, looks like a million bucks. You know what I mean? Like that, that's the sad reality of it. You know, I'm a small guy when it comes to wrestling. I'm considered a small guy. So I've been told, oh, you, you'll never get signed. You're, you're a smaller guy. I'm like, yeah, well, I beg to differ. But okay. But that's the type of mentality that we're dealing with, you know, and that's the type of stigma that I would love to get away from. Absolutely. Because anybody could be a wrestler. This is, again, it's, I don't know if I'm killing the business, but I mean, shit, what we do, in essence, it is entertainment. It is athletic ability meets entertainment. So who's to say that you've got Scott Hall playing a Cuban guy. You can't have a smaller Puerto Rican playing his part. You know what I mean? Like it's, I don't know. It's all misconstrued. But again, that's a whole different tangent I'm going off on. But Reptitus, John Gresham, if I had to pick number three from Ring of Honor that I can place anywhere and he'll thrive, I would probably have to pick. Oh, this is going to be good. I, um, I've got an inkling of who you're going to say. I, Shane, I'm torn between two. Shane Taylor in there. Yes. Silas. What about Silas? So Silas. Those, those are the two I'm torn between. I was it, like, that was like Shane and Shane and Silas. They're original. Mm. They're original. And the business personas have been done time and time again over the years. We know that, don't we? But they've all got. They've all got something different, these guys. But yeah, sorry, I jumped in. I jumped in. Recently. No, 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 it's cool. Trust me, I love I love that you're excited about this. Yeah. You getting excited about it gets me excited Absolutely. because this is what I want for wrestling. I want wrestling to be like like it was like in the 90s yeah. when like it was cool to like wrestling and I'm watch Raw and talk about it the next I'm day with you on Tuesday, it. you know? Um, so, so yeah, I was torn between Shane Taylor and Silas because uh, on the one hand, you have Silas who's very tenured. He's been around for a while. Uh, AAW has a banner of him. Like he did his, he he put in his reps, he put in his work. There's a respect I have for Silas Young, and like I said, he is partly responsible for me moving to Milwaukee and you know being in Wisconsin and stuff. Uh, but Shane Taylor, that's a whole different beast right there. Literally, <laughs> uh, you know, you got a guy who's fire on the on the fucking stick. Like the guy can fucking talk. He's very educated. Let me tell you that. Like. Just because he beats people's asses, don't don't mistake that for him not being educated. This is one of the smartest people I've ever spoken with. We've had so many conversations about just like shit, like just just anything. But it, we delve in and we go deep. I I, I could converse with that guy all day. So he's very intelligent. Um, but on top of that, you have such a such a big militant presence and, and such a dominating figure just right across the ring from you that can literally come through with one fucking fist and just blast you and you're done? Come on, man. That's money. That's fucking... Just just take my money now. Who would not come to see that? I think that he's like... If I, if I had to compare him, because I don't like making comparisons, but if I had to make some type of comparison, I see him as a Mark Henry type. To where he would come, fuck shit up, that's what I do, leave. 
and that would be enough. But here's the thing. Here's the best part about it. He can go in a ring, do that, and leave. But there's so much more he can do because he has so much in his arsenal. So he doesn't have to just stop it at that. It's like kind of, uh, well, I don't want to make this about me, but like it's kind of like justifying like the fact like I can do a standing moonsault. I could do, I could do the flippy shit. But me as a heel, it doesn't make sense doing it. Like, and not even that. Like, if I'm beating your ass, beating your ass, and I don't do any flips or anything like that, when I do my flips, it makes it just more special. It makes it stand out more. People will appreciate that more. As opposed to me doing the flip every single time at the show, I'll get the reaction because they know after that flip, here comes the finish. Uh, I, I may beat them at this point. Um, but when it's like, yeah, I'm not going to do any flips or anything. And then... Fuck, I'm feeling froggy. Do a flip. <laughs> oh, shit. He can actually yeah. do it. So, like, people that are seeing me the first time, they're like, yeah. wow, he can actually do shit like that. Or people that have only recently started watching, I didn't know it was in his arsenal. So, you know, it's, it's the element of surprise. But, again, I think Shane Taylor brings that to the table because the man is a powerhouse, and he is one-punch knockout, but at the same time, he can go. I've seen the guy go. Uh, that's... I, it's great. It's great to see how far he's come in in Ring of Honor. From from yeah. I remember, I remember him when he was first coming through, and then now, now he's one. Of the, he's one of the main players. He started there. out. He was tagging with uh, Keith Lee <laughs> when he first came. Yeah, he was tagging yeah, with yeah. Keith Lee. That's when I met him. I met him and Keith, and like they were just fresh on, and they just started dominating shit. I was like, "Yo, you guys are really fucking going," because you don't see two big guys move like that. You don't. And then at that time, it was like, "Fuck." I was like, these guys are going to go far. But then, you know, everything with Keith, you know, fortunately happened, which was great for him. Uh, started doing shows at Evolve, which that was a foot in the door to get to the E. And look at him now, you know. Mm-hmm. So things happen for a reason. Look how Shane, how Shane's done. So it's not like it was a bad thing that the split happened because Shane is killing it right now. But again, that, that him between him and Silas, that would be my number three choice to where I can throw him anywhere and he's going to fucking make it. He's going to thrive. Silas just comes across like a like a guy you wouldn't want to meet in a bar fight. Uh, <laughs> that tough man, it, it comes it comes through the screen. I, I'm like I would not want to fuck with him. Not that I could wrestle. It's the mustache. I can't. It's definitely wrestle. the mustache. He he honestly got he's got a, there's an aura that you look at him playing portraying the character and you're like oh my god he's a tough. He is a tough man. I would not like to. I would not like to cross that man. That's what I always think with Silas. That's what I always. He's think. the last real man. He's yeah. the last real man. He portrays that. Like I said, it's it's the mustache. Uh, it, it just kind of pierces you through the screen. The stuff, <laughs> the stuff with Josh Woods, fantastic. Where they've gone when they've done the comedic aspect. That's been that's phenomenal. The vignettes have been brilliant. I've loved all that. Like watching them, and then um, also when he was with Beer City Bruiser when they were doing that. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's done a bit of everything, Silas, hasn't he? He can, he can do a bit of comedy, but he's like straight face, but he's part of the comedy. You know, I, I, I like it. I like, he, he's multifaceted, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I remember one of the first things I saw him in was uh, when he was with the boys, when he took Stalton's boys. Yeah. That shit I was remember, phenomenal. Yeah. That, that was one of my favorites. And also when he did the, uh, we were doing tapings and he was doing the, it's been this many days since Jay Lethal, you know, has been hurt or whatever, and he's just doing the countdown. Like he's he he's good at what he does. He's good at what he does. That's for sure. That's cool, man. I'm gonna get back to you now. I think we'd be we would be remiss not to talk about your time training at the Monster Factory. 
being trained by Danny Cage. I know the Monster Factory's been around for years. Even in the UK, we knew about it. Was it Larry Sharp years prior? Larry Sharp. Larry yes, Sharp sir. ran that, didn't he? So it was, it's always been, it's been a great place for people, for talent coming through over the years. So yeah, how were your experiences, Rico, at the Monster Factory with the guys there? Oh, great. I mean, hell, uh, Bret Hart called it the, the Harvard of wrestling schools. I mean, I, I'm very fortunate to have that foundation. And I can gloat humbly about that because the proof is in the pudding, right? Like it's it, look who we've produced. Like I don't need I don't need to name drop it, it. It's just right then and there. If you look up the Monster Factory and see who we're associated with, it definitely speaks volumes. Um, I started there uh, in 2014 uh, when I first initially began my training. Uh, I reached out to Danny Capes through an email. I was like, "Hey, uh, I see you guys uh, are." you know, taking in uh, students, uh, I would like to apply. It's like, all right, come on in. He sent a date. Uh, now, mind you, the Monster Factory where it's at now, it was there prior. Uh, it, it moved around a lot, but initially it was in Paulsboro, New Jersey. Now, a quick story. When I came from Puerto Rico, I, I was raised in New Jersey. So mm -hmm. I moved to Newark, New Jersey, which was in North Jersey. I stayed there for a little bit, but ended up moving to Paulsboro, where I practically grew up. And in Paulsboro was where the Monster Factory was at. So when I was a kid, the Monster Factory was in a place called, it, it used to be Town Pizza. So it was like a pizza place. And like, you go in there and they had the little ring and shit. And you used to see guys like Bam Bam walking out, uh, King Kong Bundy. It was really cool. I didn't know any better. I just knew, look at those big guys over there. Uh, Tatanka. Wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, reaching out to Danny Cage and all that going through my head, I knew that there was history behind it. So that's where I wanted to go. It just wasn't that it was convenient because I lived nearby. Um, so I ended up showing up. At that time, I was 250 pounds, like a very sloppily looking, uh, I was nothing. Um, so I go to my tryout. Danny puts me through everything he needs to put me through. Uh, after the fact, he takes me in the locker room and talks to me. He's like, take off your shirt. I promise it's not going to get R-rated. Uh, he says, take off your shirt. I'm like, okay. So I take it off. He's like, look at you. He's like, you're not, you're telling me that you want this, but your body's not telling me. You're not showing me. Like, how, how do you expect to be in the ring when you can't even like climb up the stairs without like breathing heavily? I'm like, fuck. Like, All right, I got you. Uh, anybody who knows me will tell you the worst thing you can tell me is that I can't do something. So uh, lo and behold, this was in June. I came back in August. Yeah, I came back the end of August. I went from 250 to 209. I showed up. Uh, I worked at a bank at the time, so I was in shirt and tie. I showed up. I was like, hey, Danny, I'm back for my tryout. And he was like, and you are? I was like, I told him who I was. I was like, holy shit, he did double take. And he was like, well, fuck. I mean, if, if you're willing to like do that like for this, and are you ready to start training? And I was like, yeah. And I'll never forget, I, I was in a you know, in my, my work clothes and I was so excited to start. And, um, he was like, well, we'll find you some gear. Danny gave me his wrestling shoes. Nick Camarado, uh, who's a freak beast at AEW gave me his gym shorts and I worked out in my wife beater and I borrowed pads from punishment Martin, uh, from Damian priest. Wow. And I was like, okay, cool. This is going to be a good time. And dude, I, I fell in love, man. It's like, you know, when, you just know it, it's hard to explain, but you just know when you're at the right place and where you need to be at that point. Um, it was just such a great experience being there. I was able to be part of such a 
such a dynamic within wrestling. That school has produced so many talented people and so many individuals that have gone to bigger and better things. Why not be a part of that? So, you know, I'm being there and in training, the way that we do training, their strength and conditioning. You know, it got me in, in the greatest shape of my life. Uh, fundamentals, learning lockups, learning, learning the basics, not just going in there and say, hey, I saw this really cool thing, so I'm going to try it. That's not how you learn how to wrestle. That's how you learn how to do a spot. You know, you have to learn all of the intricacies in order to put something together and tell the story. Uh, the Monster Factory for me did that. Um, I'm a student of the game, though. I'm still learning. Like, I am by no means done paying my dues. I am by no means done learning. I'm still trying to, like, get better and hone in on my craft. So let's not get that twisted. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I was able to be parts uh, of seminars with Jay Lethal, with MVP, with Robbie E, with uh, who's Robert Stone now. Um, who else? Uh, Brutal Bob Evans. Um, so many people. Like, we had uh, Bill DeMott. We had Rudy Gonzalez. We had so many talented coaches there uh, as guests for our seminars. We've been able to do so many cool things just uh, based on the connections that the Monster Factory has. So there, to get my start there was definitely a step in the uh, right direction in order to get my like wrestling career like ignited. And if I had the opportunity and still live close by there, I'd still be going to training every single day. I cannot stress enough how important it is to continue your training because that thing, if you don't use it, you lose it. That's damn sure. And I've learned that during the pandemic. <laughs> You hear so much about fly-by-night schools even now. People go into the wrong place, paying a load of money, and they've not. They've, it's not a school, essentially, but they brand themselves as a school. So it's good to hear that you've had the fundamentals from a world-renowned. It's world-renowned. It's, world, it's still world-renowned now, isn't it? You know. But, yeah, what are your thoughts on that, these people that think they've been trained correctly? It's a shame. You know, um, everybody has a dream, but not every, everybody could be a wrestler. That's the issue, but... They're making it seem like everybody can. And the problem is I've seen Danny Cage turn people away. All right. I've seen him turn people away because simply off of the, the notion that this probably will not be for you. Mm -hmm. And I feel a disservice by taking your money. You know what I mean? Because that's, it's not free. That's a good way to be, Rico. <laughs> you know, you could just yeah. say, right, we'll have you. You're not going to cut the mustard. But yeah, that's, that's gracious on his end. Uh, right. And I've also seen schools in which they take in people knowingly that they're, how can I put this nicely? Like, let's just say that, as you said, they won't cut the mustard. They just won't, they, they just won't make that cut. And it's evident, but they will still take the money because they'll still take the money. Ah, it's okay. We'll let them roll around. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what type of scumbag are you? Like pick and choose your battles. Because again, that spot, Okay, not only the, the fact that he's taking advantage of a person that he has no intention on putting over or putting on a show or anything like that, but you're also potentially taking a spot from somebody who really wants it and really has a talent. And you never know, you can find your golden egg. But instead, you're just being a money mark and want to sit there and like grab all the money for you and take anybody who pays and claim to train them when at the end of the day, you're not doing them any favors. That to me is a disservice and it's disgusting as a human being if you do that. Uh, unfortunately, I, I've, I've seen people like that and I just kind of, you know, break off from that. Absolutely. I keep as far away as I can from folks like that. Absolutely. 
There's some good. There's uh, there's a lot of reputable schools over here now as well. Sure. When I when I was looking into it when I was a kid in my teenage years, not that I I couldn't do it. I'd be like Bambi on ice, but that's a story <laughs> for that's a story for another day. I know I couldn't do it. I've got coordination, you know, just like your basic stuff. But the the closest school Rico was like over over the border into England years ago. Wow. But whereas now. You know there are a lot. There's a lot of fantastic schools over here. You know they're getting they're getting some really good training. The guys here in the UK, you know, they're really getting. You know, which is great, which is great for the business, especially over here and in Europe. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 it shows with like NXT UK. You know what I mean? Uh, you got so much talent. WXW. Uh, you know, I followed them for a while. Uh, I'm. I love to see the UK thrive. Um, especially since I've had so many friends that have gotten their braids from progress wrestling and, and, you know, companies like that overseas. Like it's, it's amazing. I love seeing wrestling thrive wherever it can. Uh, that's definitely on my bucket list though. I'm trying to get to the UK, oh, whether it be to wrestle, whether it be to commentate, I don't care. I just want to get over there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's uh, it, it's a whole new monster in itself. I want to go over there and kind of see what the scene is like over there oh, in comparison to the States. It's- we are we are rapid. Think think New York. Think Chicago. Think Philadelphia. <laughs> think Philadelphia for rapid. You know, staunch. Oh my days! And, and when when I've been over to WrestleMania, I've been over to WrestleMania various times over the years. And when we come over, I swear to God, raw raw the night after WrestleMania. It's the European. It's the European people making the noise. It's the UK and uh, some of the Americans. The hooligans. Some of the Americans didn't like it because uh, over the other side of the arena, the travel package people were in like yeah. a certain area and they're chanting travel package and all this. I hear this American guy behind me, we don't give a fuck about your travel package. And they just they just, they just kept going all night. And then uh, I, I turned up to the um, hotel that WWE had booked for the travel package. I went to the Sheraton yeah. in Dallas. It was rabid. I just went for drinks after a show. I think it was the night of wrestling. <laughs> It was all going on. There was a guy dressed up as Vader. Someone, someone that is insane. Someone, I believe it though. Someone turns up. He's, he's old school Shawn Michaels with the white and the and the red hearts. Out mm-hmm. of nowhere, out of nowhere, everyone's going crazy. We're all drinking, and he super kicks Vader. This guy, and it's just like yes. There's about three. That is phenomenal. There's probably about three hundred people in this sports bar in Dallas in, in the hotel, um, and it was just uh, you know just crazy, just daft. Um, See, but I like that. I, I like, okay, so one of the biggest things that I like about UK wrestling, like when progress, the chants, the songs yeah. that they have for, and it's not the same fucking chant. Every wrestler has its own individual chant. Like they got the bro, bro, bro. Like I remember when Riddle was over there, he was doing that shit. They'd have the bro chant for him. They have a different one for Walter. They have a different one for like, yeah. you know, whoever's in the ring. I love that soccer hooligan type feel like vibe for professional wrestling. So fuck that guy that told you guys he didn't give a shit about the travel package. I was, I was, <laughs> I, I was sat in the cheaper seats. I, I, I just, I do my own. I just get myself, yeah. I get myself there and I book everything. I've always done that. I've never done a package per se or done anything like that. I would do a wrestling travel though. Justin Clapper's do, does good work. Oh yeah, and that together. If I was if I was going to go back, I'm going to do one more mania, Rico. I'm going to do the missus. The missus is going to let me before we have a child. But, uh, <laughs> yes, she's got to let me know. You better let me know. Oh man, New Orleans, New Orleans, 2014, Ooh. and it'd be Mardi Gras the week before, but people were still partying Bourbon Street. 
There was beads getting launched off balconies. Um, it was Damn, crazy. Dude. That's the one I missed. Oh man! And the guys wow. went back. The guys went back in 2018. I didn't go to WrestleMania that year. They said it wasn't the same, but it was because there was no Mardi Gras going on. Mardi Gras had been and gone. Uh, it was. It was cool, man. Yeah. It, the trips. The trips have been amazing. I. I. Uh, so I'm, I'm making it about me. Sorry. No, dude. No, I love hearing these things because again, that. Why, why is this interview going on? What's the common thing that binds us? Wrestling. Yeah. I'm here to talk wrestling. It's yeah. not about Rico de la Vega per se. It's about wrestling because that's the bigger picture. That's the umbrella, right? I've got to ask you before we go, when you were a fan, when you were a kid, and I, I hate putting you on the spot because I bet you could tell me 50, 100 matches that you love. Let, let's stick to free people. Sorry, free matches. Sorry, because we said about free people earlier. Okay. Free Three matches when you were growing up that still stand the test of time today and you love. Now, mind you, my wrestling mentality was a lot different as a kid. Uh, yeah. So this will probably be based more on influential as yeah. opposed to like, oh, yeah, okay. the moves and yeah, all that stuff. You can, yeah, you can change it, yeah. <laughs> so definitely if I think and just get one off of my mind, the first one that comes up is Brett and Owen. Brett and Owen, absolutely, absolutely. From from the from the lead on from the lead up from the Royal Rumble when he kicked his leg out of his leg, uh, from there on, and it's like, you know, they started building towards it, dude. What better story was there? Like, they're seriously sibling rivalry, and they brought in Stu. They brought Papa. It literally was a. Like for us, like I remember growing up, you know, as a, as a Latino, my mom watching novelas, which is the equivalent of soap operas in Spanish, right? But our novelas are like three months, while like American uh, soap operas, they go for like 30 years and shit. So this was like my equivalent of a novela because even me and my mother would tune in to watch Raw, to watch uh, fucking uh, any, any type of show <laughs> that, had to, the, that had to do with continuing that story. Yeah. So on a weekly basis... Uh, on a weekly episodic basis, we're here watching, wa waiting to see what unfolds all the way up until WrestleMania 10 when they had their big match. And it's like, you can see the aggression. Like, you can see, like, when all the family's involved, just the emotion that it's invoking from the crowd. Because at that time, there was no internet. At that time, I mean, there was, but it wasn't like spoilers and stuff. And there was still a little bit of secretiveness in the business. So you can actually feel like the family being torn apart. My mom's there in tears, like crying and shit. So I'm like, yeah, that was dope. So if I, that's the first one that pops up. And just based on the emotional value. The best. Poppy, I'd still say it's the best opening match at a WrestleMania. And uh, I, I, was, none. I was there for Triple H and Daniel Bryan for obviously Daniel Bryan then getting into the triple threat. That was, right. a, great, that was a great opening bout. Fantastic. But yeah. I've got it. Brett, Brett's my favorite of all time, so I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, no, for sure. Brett, Talk about Brett, uh, starting out hot. <laughs> Brett, Brett, his matches do not date. It's no, like, not at all. It's amazing. It, it's amazing it, to see. That's incredible you say that. You Like, you can watch a, a Bret Hart match mm. back then. You can watch one now. Everything applies. He is he is your textbook wrestler, it was like, in my opinion. It was like watching Mr. You can watch Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig. You know, uh, same. Oh yeah. Same, same thing. Just uh, just it was. It's it's like still looks new now. It's. But that but that brings me to my second match, which would be <laughs> SummerSlam. Bret Nin Hart, Mr. Perfect. Ninety-one. Yeah. Yep. SummerSlam. Bret Hart, Mr. Perfect. Yeah. That right there, it wasn't. 
again, I'm a kid. I'm I'm watching it due to the simple fact that Mr. Perfect's promos were fucking fire. I mean, he was like it was around the time where he was doing the fucking he was catching his own touchdowns and all that shit. So it's like I'm with it. Um, so yeah, Mr. Perfect and Bret Hart, the chemistry in that ring as an adult, as a wrestler yeah, now, phenomenal. Like you can that is untouched and unmatched. And like you said, it's ageless. That thing is timeless. You put on a match of that caliber now, it's still going to get the same reaction. It's still going to be a great match. Uh, but back then, just seeing two guys like Mr. Perfect and Brett the Hitman Hart, who's your typical hero, going at it, it wasn't, it was less cold and calculated, and it was more boom, shot for shot. That's what I like, shot for shot. Fucking Brett hit you with this. Here comes Perfect with the drop kick. Here comes uh, Brett with the counter. Here comes Perfect with this. So I, I definitely dug that back and forth because. I think that with me, wrestling, the reason it caught my eye it was like a tennis match. So I'm here like this, like this, like that. I love the excitement. Um, now third, and definitely not least, ooh, man, The Undertaker. Now, mind you, Undertaker happens to be probably my favorite wrestler, aside from Ultimate Warrior. And there, there's different reasons. Ultimate Warrior got me watching wrestling. Absolutely. Because that's the first character I, I've ever seen. I was Warrior over Hogan. I, I, but wait, that's amazing. That's, <laughs> nah, yeah, you've, you've, you've trumped me. You've trumped me there if you live for Ultimate Warrior, man. But yeah, sorry, sorry. No, no, it's fine. But, uh, but yeah, with Ultimate Warrior, it's like basically, uh, I, he got me to see wrestling. Like he's, uh, I saw that like green streak running across the screen and that's what got me intrigued. I was like, oh shit, he's shaking the ropes, he's running. But The Undertaker, when he debuted with Brother Love, that's when I was like, fuck, man. This guy's big as hell. And then I saw him work, and I was like, this guy doesn't die. I think I like this guy. He's so sinister. I like the fact that he's quiet. Like, he doesn't say a word. So I think the third match that stands out to me, and again, this is because it invoked emotion. I can't talk shit about wrestling because at that age, I wasn't thinking about the moves and stuff. But it would be uh, Undertaker versus Yokozuna, casket match, Royal Rumble. Double deep, double wide, leading up to it. it. It was just great how they uh, they told that story. And then the ring, the, the actual match itself, the story that was told about, man, it's going to take all these motherfuckers to shut this lid. Everybody runs down. You see Adam Bomb. You see everybody shut the lid on The Undertaker and stuff. And even though, fun fact, not a lot of people know, it was Marty Jannetty in that little... Uh, in the fucking uh, little post-match where the Undertaker's, like, ascending. Yeah, that was yeah, Marty yeah. Gennetti wearing the uh, Undertaker garb. But at the time, as a kid, that shit, that got to me in the feels because I'm like, this is my favorite wrestler. He can't be dead. I was and fucking, I'm, like, insanely dying, and he's like, I will not rest in peace. And I'm like, mommy. It, it's great. <laughs> I, was, I was scared. I remember... Um, it was before I had Sky Television, which was obviously showing WWF at the time. So he, a guy my dad's work used to tape it on VHS. So I had it. Oh, shit. But man, it, I was shit scared, you know. You know when they all came down? It was like, holy, yeah. holy shit. And it, it stayed it stayed with you. It stays with you now. It's like, I was, yes. I was legit scared. Rico. Goosebumps. I was, I was seven. Yeah, 1994. So I was seven at the time. And uh, mate, honest to God, it stays with you that it was it was so symbolic you know he'd, he'd, he'd absolutely hammered everyone for like three or four years hadn't he gone through everyone then it was like yokozuna 
It was just, uh, you know, he couldn't yeah, get the back. But Yokozuna needed all the heels. Exactly. That, that that was great. That was phenomenal storytelling looking back. But again, the fact that it invoked emotion, mm. seven-year-old you, little yeah. young-ass me, I'm, I'm crying to my mom. I was my mom's trying dad. to console me. Yeah, I'm, my mom's trying to console me because I'm thinking he's dead. And, and she's like, no, don't worry, honey. Look, he's going up, so that means he's going to heaven. He'll be back. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's my favorite wrestler. They can't kill the Undertaker off. And I'm like, no. But no, those three definitely for sure, man. Those are probably growing up the ones that invoked the most emotion that brett knowing uh because i i love that whole that whole vibe of breaking up the family great story <laughs> perfect and uh and bret hart amazing it's that and then the undertaker it's that cuba that's on owen's face after he's done the pin that little white yes in his face. it's like that's how you know he put in the work and then, <laughs> and then a good bit another bit of symbolism for me with perfect and brett is when he had the singlet over his shoulder when he when he beaten him so he's got the belt but it was just as symbolic was it having the singlet like he beat him perfect hadn't yep. he? you know you want him to i wanted him to win the ic title it's the little things it was it's just the little things and some people don't pick up on it but years later i'm like it's this he's got it's like a wall trophy it's like a trophy that he's got he's beaten yeah perfect. like the the infamous one that they show of uh of owen when he, right before the, when he does the pop-up and he fucking just mushes brett's head and brett looks at his like Yo, motherfucker. He's like, you better chill. <laughs> that right there, that was a moment where it's like, okay, that's big brother telling little brother, you need to chill the fuck out yeah, before man. I really beat your ass. <laughs> that's cool, man. Rico, where can the viewers and the listeners find you on the socials? And yeah, plug plug some stuff that's coming up for us, man. All right. So let's see. So first off, shout out to The Vision. This is uh, a stable I'm part of with a few of my Monster Factory brothers. Uh we were getting up there during the uh, right before the pandemic hit, so we haven't been able to fully debut in a full capacity, but at one place. So we're still, you know, building off of that. But right now, the division's running rampant at the Monster Factory. Uh, so let's just say I have some work to do over at the Monster Factory in the next coming months. Uh, but aside from that, uh, on social media, you can find me at uh, on Twitter and Instagram. It is at real. Rico DLV and uh, on Facebook, you can search Rico de la Vega and I'm on there as well. So yeah, if, if anything, you know, shoot me a follow, I'll shoot a follow back. I'm not really above following other people. So, uh, and I always answer my DM. So yeah, man, just hit me up pretty much. Rico de la Vega is a pretty chill and relaxed guy. The multifaceted Rico de la Vega, commentator, wrestler, ring announcer, he can do it bilingually as well. He can do it. He can do it in English. He can do it in Spanish. Yeah, <laughs> it's been. I've loved this, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, just glad, glad that Justin got us in touch. And, uh, no, hundred percent, man. I I really appreciate you reaching out. I love I love doing these podcasts, and I love just sharing moments uh, when it comes to wrestling, especially with folks that are across seas because we see things so differently sometimes it's good to find like common ground with wrestling man <laughs> i definitely enjoyed this the fantastic rico de la vega there on stew's wrestling podcast for episode 81 what hasn't rico done manager wrestler ring announcer commentator in Spanish, in English, so many feathers in the man's cap. What a gent, what an absolute gent for coming on. You can catch him 
on AAW Live out of Chicago. You can also catch him at Galley Lucha Libre. He is about, he is wrestling. Shows are obviously starting to become more commonplace since the pandemic. So it was an absolute honor and a privilege to get him on for this week's episode. Thank you for liking, sharing and supporting us as well at Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's been incredible. We've been getting downloads all over the world. And it's just, I just don't know how to put it into words sometimes. But I do appreciate everything from the listeners and the viewers on YouTube as well. So yeah, we're across all platforms on the podcasting areas. So please, please, please check us out. Let your friends know of the wrestling as well. That would be amazing. So this was episode 81 with Rico Della Vega on Stu's Wrestling Podcast. And we'll see you next week. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.